In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack, and Ian Right, right, right. Ian, how are you, sir? Good, baby. Ready to talk some Browns defense. The staple of the team to come in the years coming. Wow, it's been an amazing 24 hours. Jack, how have you been? I'm good. I, I feel exactly the same as I did yesterday. It's interesting, isn't it? I don't wonder why. Okay, guys. Because so, I didn't uh, even change his clothes. Wow. <laughs> That's our rumours start. But anyway, guys, we had a great podcast yesterday. And today we're going to talk all about the defence. And I think we start off at the D-line and work our way back to the safety. So starting wham-bam in the middle. Let's start with the two names that I think will be on the roster. Ogajobi and Richardson. Uh, is not a lock to make the roster. Um, Joby is competing with Billings for who's going to be the starter. Um, one of them guys could be traded and it's most likely to be Ogunjobi. Obviously, the advantage is you'd rather have the depth. So Ogunjobi's played best when he's not had all the snaps. So if you can sort of split between those two sort of 45, 50% of the time, it puts you in a much stronger situation. Maybe an obvious pass snaps both are on the field um, because you're not really looking to get as much sort of interior pressure. You're just looking to stuff everything. So um, that could be something you see. But um, yeah, Richardson's going into, he's got two years left in his deal, but he's effectively the final year. He won't make the third year of the deal. But Ogunjobi and Billings, both on one-year deals. Billings is a great ad, really, really like it. Um, and that's three. And then they're going to go draft someone else. Sheldon Richardson then naturally replace him. So it could be as high as sort of round three. They go and draft that defensive tackle that will hopefully develop and allow for that smooth transition for Richardson to move on because that's how the best teams do it. They will draft a year in advance and then that youngster comes through and then in a year's time, you've already got your replacement for Richardson on the roster and you know he's the real deal. Ian, how excited were you when we got uh, Billings? Well, I think Billings fills a gap for what we don't have. And I guess where I will be watching for the most part is and how they structure this. Billings isn't a pass rusher. He's a fat guy. I mean, he is a run-stuffing, gap-clogging guy. He is your typical zero or a one technique in a 4-3. Ogunjobi's not. Ogunjobi's undersized. He's a 265, 280 guy. You know, he's going to be running more on that three technique with Richardson. So an obviously an obvious passing downs, you could see both Richardson and Ogunjobi out there. But on first down, I could see them running with Sheldon and Billings. So I don't necessarily see Ogunjobi as being a full-time starter because I think what Billings does is he makes up for what Ogunjobi's bad at, and that's run stopping. Ogunjobi is a quick gap-penetrating defensive tackle. But against the run, you saw that against the Ravens a few times, he gets nudged open, and now there's a big seam there in the middle. So I think Billings is going to go ahead and fill that. So when the Browns are in there to stop the run, I, I can see Ogunjobi being off the field. Can you see 
Billings and Ogajobi be on the field at the same time if Richardson gets an injury or having a rest? Oh, absolutely. I could see Ogunjobi stepping in for Richardson as being kind of that gap penetrating three technique. But um, I don't think unless it's, you know, a, an obvious passing down where they take Billings off the field, you're going to see, you know, a big, you're going to see a fat guy and a gap penetrator. But Ogunjobi and Richardson are kind of of the same cloth to me. Yeah, Ogunjobi had a really good first year when it was limited snaps. He, he had a different body type. Um, where he's lost weight, that's had a knock-on impact that he's not really a three-tech, he's not really a one-tech. So he, he's almost in sort of that no-man's land between the two positions. Um, so that might be something where they go, oh, this is going to be tough. Um, I don't know quite his body type because I don't really spend much time looking at sort of a, a what three four defense of maybe that sort of um one of those front people sort of alongside a nose tackle um maybe an option but um he's in his final year good luck to him um phenomenal in year one um not been the same player since and uh yeah best of luck that he can go on and do it i think he will be one of those that hangs around the league let's look at the, the depth now at defensive tackle there's obviously uh anouk uh, Brandon Bryant, Akula, Zimmer. Any of them guys making the roster? No. This is a pronunciation nightmare for Paul. You got, I think El- I nailed you got, it. You got Ellie Anku, who is the guy we brought over from Jacksonville. We signed off the practice squad. Uh, Brandon Bryant had a decent preseason, and then he kind of shit the bed after that. Dan- Daniel Ukale, I think he's one that is kind of a wild card. He made a lot of flash plays kind of early. Then he got hurt. So towards the end of the season, I really would have liked to see him get some snaps when we were basically roster depleted. But for the most part, I think Elianku is going to be looking for a new team. Brandon Bryant, maybe I think he was on our practice squad last year. He maybe have a little dance there. But of that, Ukale, Zimmer, Ukale is the only one that even has a shot to stick around. But like Jack said, I think we're going to be drafting somebody and they could find another, you know, like low tier free agent to get another body in here but there's definitely a need at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, I think the only way any of those four hang around is if they trade Ogunjobi, which I still think is unlikely, even though it's certainly possible. They might go, look, we've got a guy in his fourth year that's not doing it. You've got a guy that's not doing it. Let's give them both a fresh start. Um, The same way as we saw Dorsey do with Ogba for Murray. Um, That is sort of the only way I could see him moved on. But uh, yeah, I think those four are gone. We draft someone and then keep those three bigger names. Yeah, I think Ogunjobi did a lot better under Greg Williams. You know, the whole put your testicles in the A-gap type of system that we had, as opposed to, um, you know, what we had with uh, Steve Wilkes. I just, I'm not sure that Ogunjobi was the best fit for the Wilkes defense. Um, I'm curious to see if Joe Woods is able to bring Ogunjobi back to what it is Greg Williams had him doing things. I still think from a long-term standpoint, he could develop into a very serviceable defensive tackle in the league. He's not going to command top bill. Um, but I do think he might stick around. All right, guys. So um, definitely, I think we've got, what, eight, nine draft picks this year? Seven. We're down one. We, Dorsey traded away um, the Justin McCray trade and the Taiwan Taylor trade. And, and the Teller. The Teller trade. Kind of depleted our beginning of day three picks. So okay, I so would be shocked picks. to see them drop back and pick some more up. We've got seven picks. You can see us potentially taking a defensive tackle around – End of day two. Yeah, day three, three. Third, third round. Five. Okay, great. Now let's look at the ends. 
Miles Garrett. Yeah, you've got Miles Garrett. He will get his fifth-year option, and that's certainly happening before the 2nd of May. Um, And then you've got Olivier Vernon. So there's your two starters. Really good starting there. And then behind him, there's some question marks. Um, You've got Paul Augustine, who I think could be a really solid fourth um, person in that uh, defensive end room. I just want to pause there for one second, Jack. Sorry for interrupting you. You just got experience what Ian just did there. He went from a <laughs> thumbs up to a very slow thumbs down. Gladiator style. We're going walking Sorry for interrupting Phoenix. Jack. Well, uh, hold on. Just to fact check that there. Gladiator actually flipped it to make it simple for a viewing audience. The question the gladiators used to actually ask is, should I kill this person? So thumbs up would actually mean, yes, kill them but they flipped it for Hollywood and to make it really simple for a viewing audience. So you there's a bit of fake news. Yeah, it's fake news. All right. Um, Olivier Vernon, do you see him uh, on the roster this season? Yeah, he, he's going to be here. They'll keep him for one year and then turn him into a comp pick. Obviously, if they go get someone they really, really like, say the bottom falls out on the clowny market, which I can't see, or um, they get someone else that they really, really like, then there's always the option, but uh, I think it's pretty likely that he's here. Ian? I just don't see the value in dumping Vernon at this point. I mean, Everson Griffin voided three years on his deal, and he's allegedly going to sign, and, you know, who knows? He could sign any moment now. Um, I know there's a lot of teams interested, and I'm sure the Browns have called him and said, yo, homie, what do you want? Well, like, give us a number. I'm, I'm sure they've called on Clowney, too, and said, hey, like, what's your number? But – Adam Kaplan reported the other day that Clowney wants over 20 million a year. So if he wants over 20 million, have a nice day, buddy. See you later. I mean, he made some, he makes some very big splash plays, but he has never lived up to that top bill. Um, I have a question, Jack, do you think the reason they haven't, the Browns haven't just run to the podium and said, obviously we're exercising miles Garrett's fifth year is because they are talking to him about an extension because I've seen teams come out now and started exercising options. So we know miles is sticking around. No, I think it's just timings. I don't think that many actually have come out and exercised, and you'll get lots more over the next sort of month as in the run up to draft. Um, they'll probably just do them both at the same time. So they might be just sitting there and finalizing 100% within Joku. And it's where the rules changed, it sort of pushes it down the list. So I think they'll get free agency done, activate those options, and then focus onto the draft. Um, so what did Garrett's fifth-year guarantee go to now under the new CBA? Um, it was, what, 12 or I 13? don't know if the final number's been set. It, 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 the numbers for Garrett didn't move um, because he was always in that tier one. So it's roughly uh, 6 million plus what he's on. It's going to be about 18 to 20 um, off the top of my head. Um, it might be slightly less. Um, I would need to go and sort of dig it out Um but uh, he, he, he's definitely getting done. And, but if the deal gets done with Garrett, it's going to be the week before the season. It's not going to come this early. Um, so it's going to be interesting what they do. Obviously, you've got Chad Thomas that is uh, spinning discs rather than uh, actually taking snaps. Um, Trayvon Young, no. Um, Port Augustine, for me, can do a job as that fourth on the defensive end um, rotation. You're there you need to go get a third. So whether they trade back and they really like someone on day two could be an option um, because then that sets them up nicely to step in and replace Vernon next year. But it's not a particularly great edge class. 
um, or they go and grab a, a name in free agency um, could still be an option. And that's something I think they're looking at. And then either a late pick or a UDFA comes in as that sort of uh, fifth person um, because you generally have nine on the o, uh, on the D line with uh, five on the edge, four in the interior. Yeah, this has been my argument about everybody running to the you know to Twitter and everyone else saying we need to cut Olivier Vernon because as we see after Miles Garrett. It gets ugly really quick, especially if you take Olivier Vernon's name out of this equation. All of a sudden, you run into a bunch of UDFAs who have not created a lot of panic or pressure in the NFL. So I understand that we want to free up as much cap space, but if I'm not mistaken, the Browns are number one right now in the NFL in cap space, and I use air quotes because I know Jack's going to tell me about rollover cap and spending and all this other stuff because he's the smartest man on Twitter. Just ask everybody who tweets his hate mail. Hashtag ask Jack. Um, but we, we have a guy like Vernon who, yes, when healthy, and that's a big if, is very effective. So until you have somebody better in the fold, keep him on your roster. There's no point to getting rid of him to create cap space to sign somebody who's not as good. I, I just it's, it's mind-boggling to me. But, yeah, the Browns need to do some serious work in this defensive end room because after Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon is a good 1B when healthy. It becomes poo-poo on a platter pretty quick. Yeah, and so the easy way to look at Vernon is that money spent next year. So that money next year goes straight over to Miles. So it's already spent in year two. So could you go replace him on a one-year deal? And if you get someone better than you see better than him for fifteen million for one year, take it. If you want to look at a two-year deal, you're then looking at around ten million a year because balancing this year and next year. If you want to look at a three-year deal, you're looking at around seven million a year. So it's one of them that you've got to look at the different options, and you're probably whether you want to spend seven and eight, you're not going to get someone as good as him on a three-year deal. If it's two years, ten million each year, maybe. Um, and in terms of one year, if you were saying go and get Clowney and he wanted to do a one-year fifteen million. I would have no issue with moving um, Vernon on and bringing in Clowney. That's not going to happen. Clowney is not signing that deal, most likely. So it's one where let's see what happens. Um, there's going to be a few different options. Um, but Olivier Vernon's here a year. Who they get in as that third, um, I think if they can find someone, that's probably something they'd really like to do because if you're drafting a guy in sort of the third round and relying on him to be a starter if Vernon goes down, that's a risky business. So uh, go and get some talent, even if it's a three, four million a year, just to lock in as that sort of third person on the defensive end rotation. Yeah, and I think it just comes down to where you have availability. And realistically, we talk about the Browns being trade back candidates. You know, if the Browns do trade back at 10, I'm telling you, you better keep pass rush high up on your draft needs because if you can get a guy like, you know, Yeter Grossmatos from Penn State or you could get an AJ Espenza, one of these Calevon Chasens, you get somebody to go on that outside on a young um, rookie deal. I still think that's a possibility because if those tackles are gone and say like my guy Isaiah Simmons is gone we trade back look pass rush because I'm telling you there's going to be that top what would be considered the top pass rushers there um in that kind of 15 to 20 range yeah and with all these one-year deals we'll go through them on defense but Anyone on a one-year deal, that's a perfect position where you're going to go draft someone high because then that's preparing for year two, three, and four. And you then don't need to rush the rookie, especially in a position like D-line, which is all about rotation. 
So your starter is the only one playing two-thirds of snaps. Um, so your second string is going to play 30 to 40% of snaps. So it's one that sets you up perfectly. So don't be surprised um, if they go and draft someone and prepare ready for uh, Olivier Vernon to move on. Guys, um, I think after listening to yesterday's show, this is our biggest need so far, defensive end three. Linebacker. We have, no, we have nobody that's playing linebacker right now. Yes. I know, I know we signed Goodson, but I mean, we don't have a start. I mean, with Mac Wilson, he's a bottom half of the league linebacker. BJ Goodson's never played more than 50% of snaps in the season. So my point was out uh, against the offense, forget the obviously discussed offense yesterday, where we're up to right now, it seems like a defensive end three is our probably biggest need. It's, it's a big need, um, especially going long term. So uh, it's certainly a big draft need and something we definitely need to address. Could you see us going second round to picking up a good DE? Yeah, potentially. Uh, as Ian touched on, trading back is very likely with this front office. And if they can pick up another second, third round pick, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's something I'm looking at in my sort of estimations. Day two, picking up a defensive end is uh, something that I, as long as there's someone they like, because it's questionable class, it's something they certainly look to do. All right, guys. Are we happy to move on to Ian's favorite area now? Running back to the defense. Let's go. The, the lack of backer. Ian, this is all yours, mate. I'm going to let you lead this one. I think that when we saw the exodus of Joe Schobert, we saw the exodus of Christian Kirksey, who, in my opinion, those two guys got two of the worst free agent contracts in there right now. I don't know what Jacksonville is doing, letting Calais uh, Campbell go for money and then bringing in Joe Schobert, but whatever. That's their, that's their problem, not ours anymore. And best of luck to Kirko and Green Bay. We'll go see him here in August when practice is open. The Browns have no linebackers. I mean, Mac Wilson, okay. I know he was on the field and got a performance bonus, but I think people equated that to production and not just the sheer number of snaps he took. Um, we signed obviously a one-year deal in BJ Goodson who did well in 2018 under the giants and then kind of went to green Bay and struggled. I mean, he didn't do much of anything. Um, you know, the Browns just have a, have a glaring need here. I mean, you know, you have Mac Wilson, Jermaine Grace, Tay Davis on special teams, BJ Goodson, Sione Takitaki picked up by the last uh, regime. Willie Harvey's kind of the name that I think, I'm curious to see if he can do anything. I know they liked him last year and wanted to keep him around. Um, I just, I don't know. This, this linebacker room is just depleted, pathetic, and just downright weak. Uh, guys, can you, is anyone out there in the free market or free agency that you think that would be a great fit for the Browns at the moment? I mean, you got guys out there. Nigel Bradham's a veteran that I know the Browns have been linked to. Um, there's been a couple other guys that we've seen, but they've signed elsewhere. Right now, there's just not a lot of action on the uh, on the linebacker market. Mm. I mean, Kirko Jack, got the big deal. It is one that BJ Goodson is solid against the run. There's upside, but we don't really know what we've got with Tacky Tacky and Mac Wilson. I think they go and add another name. Um, they're going cheaper at the position. It's generally a low impact position in terms of winning if you look at sort of the pff war metrics it's a very similar projection to that of running backs obviously 
the exception with the linebacker is you've got some players like uh, we've seen with Keekley, um, who's just retired. You've got Bobby Wagner. There is stars there that are worth paying, um, but there's not many of them. So um, it's one that it wouldn't surprise me if they sort of grab someone round four, maybe as high as round three. But um, uh, yeah, they're going to add another name um, because there's not that much there. I've always dreamt about a three safety defense. Um, it's something we've chatted about between us off the podcast. Um, I would love to see it. Um, and if they move to sort of one linebacker, sometimes two linebackers and only three linebackers, if you're against 22 personnel, then that would be absolute heaven. Yeah, Jack, I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. Tell me if any of these guys tickle a fancy from a free agency. Alec Ogletree, Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham. If you, have, if you know what the face of a person biting into a lemon looks like, that's similar to what we're seeing from uh, Mr. Jack Duffin here. Um, Michael, well, Ken- Michael Kendricks. Don't, don't mind. Pre- Kendricks back. It's possible. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't been indi- he's been indicted and not sentenced or whatever the hell is going on there with the FBI. I don't know. Um, but he's at least a veteran. I mean, Seattle ran a ton of three linebackers set because of him. So he's at least interesting. Jake Ryan, Wesley Woodard. Uh, Patrick Awanasur, however you pronounce his last name, the guy from the Ravens. There's just Darren Lee, former Ohio State guy, athletic, can't really tackle or cover. Um, Josh Bynes, Ravens. He's another name that's out there. Has he, did he? No, he hasn't signed yet. I would love Josh Bynes. That would be a oh, see. signing. I know how to excite Jack. You know he's 31, Jack, right? Yeah, but it's a one-year deal, um, and he can come in and give us that solid option. Um, there's rumors that it might only be as high as a million. Um, had three solid seasons the last few years, um, looking at PFF. So uh, Josh Bynes is definitely the guy that interests me. Um, yeah, other than that, there's sort of anyone that's played well in terms of sort of PFF numbers hasn't really played many snaps. So uh, that's sort of the big risk factor there. Um, but yeah, if you were going to get me to get a name that I'd feel a lot better about the room, Josh Bynes would be the guy. All right, guys. And another guy real quick I'll throw out there from a draft standpoint and linebackers, because obviously we know Isaiah Simmons is my man crush. If the Browns do trade back, look for them to look at a guy like uh, Kenneth Murray, the guy from Oklahoma. I like him fast, can make plays on the ball. Uh, Oklahoma isn't exactly well known for their defense, and he's been a solid contributor on their defensive side of the ball. So if they trade back, you know, and stockpile some picks. I could look at them going with Kenneth Murray kind of maybe in that 20 to 32 range. Just one last name in the room, just why we're on it. Has Patrick Awuzie signed anywhere yet? Because that would be a guy I wouldn't mind. Nigel Bradham, Awuzie, Josh Mines would be my number one there, but that's three names that yeah. they're the three I'll be looking at. At the time we're reco- recording this podcast, they have not signed. So by the time it posts, this that could change, obviously, because in the NFL... They could chime it in, but no, I know all three of those guys right now remain unseen, unsigned. So for those doing at home, if any of those guys sign, you can figure out when we recorded this. <laughs> guys, so do you think we need two more bodies definitely in their one draft, one free agent? Just, um, I think they'll draft someone late um, because there's only sort of three names in there plus some other guys. Um, yeah, I'd, one free agent, really cheap and then a late draft pick um i don't think it'll be that high if they get one of those three it's going to be a really late maybe udfa 
At this point, is it bad that I'm looking at the linebackers saying which one of these guys gives us the best route to a comp pick? <laughs> it's tactical. I like it, though. All right, guys. We can all agree that the linebacker room is very young and needs a vet in there just to give it a bit of depth and a bit of uh, ownership. Would everyone agree on that? Oh, 100%. All right. Well, let's go to the cornerbacks now. Jack? So, cornerbacks, you've got obviously one bona fide star in Denzel Ward. You've got Greedy Williams, who's got upside. Um, I like, but um, didn't have the best year last year. And then you've got Robert Jackson, who they've gone and signed to a one-year deal. Um, and, oh, not Robert Jackson, sorry. Kevin Johnson. There's too many J's going on here. Um, so, he's been signed potentially to play a bit of that slot nickel, but... Likes playing on the outside as well. And then you've got Terrence Mitchell, who's already here. They're the four names I'm going to start with um, because they're the ones that have got sort of that starter potential in them or are actual starters. So one of them's going to move on most likely. As long as everyone stays healthy, Terrence Mitchell's the one I'd point to that the noise sort of coming out and then backed up by people like um, Lance from... Uh, the OBR on Twitter said that's the guy they might trade, um, which would be a shame because he's been great, but I, I can understand Kevin Johnson having more upside. They would probably look to draft someone as well in this room because they want to get better. Um, will they keep my boy, Tavario Thomas, on special teams? Didn't Hell have yeah, a, they will. Didn't have as good a year last year as the year before, so that might mean Prefer's not the special teams coordinator for him. Um, and then you've got some other guys. So you've got um, Robert Jackson, and then you've got a guy called Donovan Alumba. Um, did my best there with that name. Sorry if I butchered it. Um, Donnie Lewis Jr., um, just other players that, yeah, they could battle it out for a sixth spot. It's going to take very much on special teams. Uh, the Alumba signing um, was actually brought out by the OBR, which is great to see them break in signings when you've got Rappaport and uh, Schefter over everything. Um, but that one, uh, the cornerback coach, I uh, know senior defensive backs coach, yeah. um, has a really good relationship with him from uh, the Cowboys and sort of brought him along for the ride. So, um, any of them guys, as with these sort of skill positions, they're all competing for that sixth cornerback spot, um, to try and make the, uh, best special teams impact. But you're going to look at potentially three starting outside cornerbacks and a slot cornerback of starting level. And then what they do with the fifth and sixth will be interesting to see. But Terrence Mitchell, I think they'll keep him here for as long as possible before they feasibly have to make the decision just because we don't know with Greedy Williams yet and we don't know the health of Kevin Johnson. How excited were you when we got um, Kevin Johnson? Uh, it's not that excited, but I, I like the move. There's upside. And um, yeah, it's one of those that if he can go and do the business, then you sign him for another two, three years and you're in a really nice position. Health's going to be the big question though. Yeah. And that's the thing with Kevin Johnson. When he was a first round pick out of Wake Forest, you know, he was taking, I believe the pick before uh, we took Corey Coleman. So Johnson, if you remember, he was featured pretty much on hard knocks, even that first year down in Houston had some games where he played really well. Then he's just battled injury. And, you know, when we look at the cornerback room, we see Greedy, we see Denzel, and then, you know, we have some question marks. So it's nice to put 
Kevin Johnson in kind of that he has versatility to go inside and outside. Um, I almost wonder if we're going to see a bigger step up in Greedy's game or in Denzel's game under Joe Woods. Because Joe Woods obviously cut his teeth as a defensive backs coach, knows the secondary pretty well, you know, ran a lot of cover one, cover three in San Francisco um, and when he was had his time in Minnesota. So the question with Money Mitch comes, maybe, you know, if we do go to a three-safety look with Sandejo, Redwine, or Sandejo and uh, Carl Joseph – could maybe you use Money Mitch in a deep free safety role? That's a possibility. Uh, Tavier Thomas did really well covering kicks on special teams. He, you know, his return game I know frustrated you because he liked to come out of the end zone. Um, but for the most part, I'm curious to see if Greedy or Denzel take a bigger step under Joe Woods. I, I think both of them are prime candidates to do so. And I think if Kevin Johnson's going to resurrect his career and get a bigger deal that he wants, he, you know, one year prove it deals are always very good for these type of guys, these first round talents that want to cash in. So, you know, I think, you know, the guy from the Cowboys, the Portland state guy, uh, Donovan Alumba, you know, hopefully maybe he has Julius Thomas, former tight end Portland state guy uh, upside in him. Who knows? I think though, in general, in the cornerback room, I'm quite happy. Yeah. I mean, right now they're set and really the only thing, I mean, I guess if Jeff Okuda fell to you at 10, okay. I mean, you could convince me to bring him in as well. But outside of that, I can't see us using too much capital on cornerback. You know, I know that we've been linked to Nikel Roby Coleman. Um, I don't really see that just because of the fact that if you're going to bring in Kevin Johnson, my guess is Roby Coleman wants more money. Um, so I think Kevin, uh, Kevin Johnson took us off that. I, I, I could still see a slot if they get a de facto 100% slot guy that they really like and feel they can get the money to work for them, then uh, I could still see them going slot. And then suddenly what they do with Terrence Mitchell is move him on. And then they sort of have Kevin Johnson as that battling with Greedy Williams. Um, and then Greedy's almost your injury cover if Kevin Johnson wins. So I wouldn't rule out a slot guy if they can get someone they really like, but it won't be your big star in the slot. Um, but it's one that, hey, it could definitely happen. Yeah. The only thing they're missing right now for that cover three is that deep safety. They don't have anybody that's a center fielder, you know, like Damaris Randall type of role. Because even if you ran zone on the outside with Denzel and Greedy, you don't really have that, that deep safety. Because the guys you've brought in, Sandejo and Joseph with Redwine, they, that's, not what they're, that's not what they do. All right, guys. I think uh, let's move on to the uh, safety area. Jack, do you want to start? Yeah, so um, in terms of this room, the deepest sort of free safety we've got at the moment on the roster is Sheldick Redwine. Um, I would still like them to go and add someone, um, give them some other options there. I would, I would have loved to ha-ha Clinton Dix. Um, but looking just... Not at, it's not nice to make fun of his name like that. He's a legend. He, he, that is a Hall of Fame name. Hall of Fame name. And um, I, I would have loved him. He signed on a one-year, four million deal. So it had been a really good ad. Um, but um, no, I still think they might look to someone. It wouldn't surprise me if they rescind the franchise tag on... Um, Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris. Thank you very much. Then uh, that might be something we'd go for. I can't see it's trading for him um, just because of age and profile. But he has been one of the best safeties in the NFL the last two years. And then you've got Sindejo, you've got Kyle Johnson, both on one-year deals that can do really interesting stuff. JT Hassel's there, has a shot as sort of the fifth safety if they want to take five. Um, but obviously special teams and everything. 
they comes into impact, they're definitely going to add another name in the safety room. Um, maybe they draft someone in the second, third round to start as that free safety um, and potentially force Redwine out. Redwine did look good in very limited snaps um, for parts of the season, then just sort of everyone had a collapse the last couple of weeks. So um, there's definitely going to be another name added um, and then maybe some uh, UDFAs to compete with Hassel. Yeah, I think I just think Redwine just got lost quickly and Hassel did pretty well on special teams. So I think he, he definitely carves a role out there. Um, Joseph is the most interesting one to me. I think he has the most upside, but yeah. Do you think Minnesota was just trying to call everyone's bluff on Anthony Harris? Cause there's no way they're going to allocate 11 million to him and 14 million to Harrison, uh, Harrison Smith. You're not tying up 25 million for your safety. So do you think that maybe they were just calling a bluff on that and see if they could trade him for like a third or a fourth? Yeah, I, th- I think they thought the market was really good. So I thought, let's do this. And when they knew they were trading digs, I think it just gave them the comfort and freedom to be like, look, we can do this. And if we pick up a fourth, then hell, it's been worth it. Because if they're not getting the picks back through the comp pick formula because they're looking to do other stuff and moving around, then yeah, why not give it a, give a shot for it? Um, but it's one of them that they'd have probably been best just letting him walk and hopefully getting that sort of third, well, no, not a third for safety, but a fourth in comp pick formula. They probably had a, a talks and felt they could push for the third. But then the big factor is what does he want in the market? Because you might think, yeah, we can get this for him. But if he wants a deal and the deal doesn't really fit with uh, other teams' priorities, then it's a two-way street or it's a three-way in terms of what the Vikings want, player wants, and the trading team wants. So yeah. it's, uh, it's one that it wouldn't surprise me if it gets rescinded. And there was a ton of talk out there. I know Sobo and the guys, Greetham, friend of the program, and all those guys at OBR had talked about that the biggest hiccup with him wasn't necessarily the compensation to get it. It was the fact that he wanted $15 million a year. So I get he wants to get paid and get paid big, but there's no way in hell I'm giving a, a free safety his age $15 million a year. Yeah, it's age. If he was coming off his first four years um, in the league, then I'd be going, look, get, give a pick and just get it done because it's a really important position. One that is underpaid and in, when you look at stuff like PFF's war metric is a really important position. So um, no, it's one that, yeah, the age is a big factor. So if we can get three-year deal done then yeah I'm, I'm up for it yeah and i think a lot of if you look at the one common thing of paul and we I, I know we want to talk about this a little bit the one-year deals that are going on i think that a lot of these free agents and maybe a lot of these teams didn't know what to expect with this league year and that's why you're seeing a lot of these one-year deals yeah it's not just a browns thing it has been sort of quite common around the league so usually you would see tier one of free agents signing the big deals your conklins your um Hooper, we saw that. There's been no tier two in free agency and something Jason from over the caps touched on. Um, Those sort of like two, three-year deals just not happened. Um, There's a few reasons for it. Players want to be free because the cap's potentially going to skyrocket if a new TV deal's done. Teams don't have sort of the faith of being able to bring them in, medical and everything else, because all the other stuff's going on. They just want to get deals done. Um, So it's one that, there's a few different factors being there. And I think next year you'll see a return to a more normal free agency. But um, yeah, the we went almost straight to day three deals um, where teams were just getting getting stuff done on a one year and sort of like, look, go back into the market next year, see what happens. All right, guys, we've got less than three minutes left. 
Let's talk special teams. Anyone? Go on, Jack. So I would say there's two locks on special teams, and that is our punter, the Scottish Hammer. Um, they'll bring someone else in maybe um, just for practice. Um, it, you sort of, you generally see that sort of extra person come in. Um, long snapper Charlie Hewlett um, is locked in. Um, really good deal, million a year. Um, and he's a really good long snapper. Um, the fact that most people don't know his name probably shows that is a good thing and he's doing his job right. The one person that I actually pegged for Rookie of the Year last year um, in our preseason show is under threat. Um, Austin Seibert could lose the job um, because he wasn't amazing. He was just okay. And if they bring in sort of a UDFA, they're not going to be drafting someone. This is too smart a front office to be using picks and on one of your specialists. Um, don't be surprised if uh, he loses that battle and a UDFA steals his job. No way. Prefer's keeping his guy. Sniper, Cypher, Cypher, Sniper, Cybert, you're coming back, baby. Guys, got some breaking news from the Scottish Hammer. He got pulled into the office with the Haslams and they said they absolutely love him for next year and he's going to have no competition. That's what the Haslam said. They'll bring in a guy. So like Jack was saying, you bring in an extra leg because you don't want him kicking everything. So you just bring in some random guy off the street to help kick. It's like quarterbacks. Mm. All right, guys, to, to, to round it all up then, defensive end three and potentially a linebacker are our, and a safety is probably our biggest needs. Yeah, our three biggest needs is defensive end three, linebacker sort of one slash two, depending on how you uh, see just an extra starting linebacker there and the starting free safety. They're the big three, um, but don't be surprised that they draft a corner. Every good team, you draft one corner every single year because coverage is king and uh, it is really inconsistent. So they're the biggest three needs on defense alongside the biggest needs on offense being left tackle and wide receiver three. So they're five things that the team still need to address. They're the five. Well, guys, in the future podcast, we're going to break down in priority, have a fight and work out what the needs are and then what priority. Yeah, well, look for the Browns to go massively defensive on this draft. They signed a lot of one-year deals banking on comp picks to come through in the future. So they're going to be going defense heavy because they're going to need to restock the cupboard here soon. 100%. There's those players. So everyone on a one-year deal, plus the likes of um, Richardson, plus the likes of, say, Landry, um, that could all be moved next year. They all need replacing. If you can replace them now, even better. So while we might have discussed holes somewhere else, Keep an eye on all those places getting filled. All right, excellent, guys. Once again, an awesome podcast. Jack, where can you find your details? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. And my writing's done at the Dogland. So it's dog.land, um, D-A-W-G. Ian, where can people find your details? Ian19 on Twitter and out there just defending Jack from the mean streets of Twitter. Paul Brown underscore UK. TikTok. Guys, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.